Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Welcome to episode 554 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, along with my co-host Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? I'm doing good. I liked how soft your voice started off at first when you did the introduction, and then it kind of raised to a crescendo, leading our listeners in with your gentle and dulcet tones. That's right. I get a run-up for the opening, Joe. Yes. Uh, Because I'm good like that. As in you put the microphone at one side of the room and run at the microphone in the hopes that you will beat the sound there. Yes, kind of like whenever I would try to get into bed, I'd turn off the light and try to beat the the darkness getting under the covers. <laughs> I've never heard that. That's a good one. <laughs> right? I never quite made it, but I always got close, so... So what do we got on the show this week, my good man? Um, I think it's almost all DC news. Um, what they'll be printing again... Another crisis and changes to reprint collections. One of Joe's favorites. Also, the return of the Rob Watch. Can't wait to talk about that. The vengeance. (laughs) Digital sales. What we read last week, which was both uh, Heroes Reborn, number one, and Invincible Red Sonia, number one. Two number ones. That's pretty cool. Um, What we're looking forward to this week. Todd and Joe have issues. Todd's Art Attack, and a spoiler-filled talk at the end of the latest episodes of both Flash and Legends of Tomorrow. Indeed. So, uh, as Todd mentioned, very DC-heavy. So, I would say this is not only good, but also big news, Mm -hmm. uh, that DC is going to be doing a print version of their previews again, starting (laughs) this month? I think so, yes. So uh, we are closing in on a year since the whole DC went away from Diamond thing happened. Uh, A lot of things popping up on my Facebook timeline from a year ago, a year ago, a year ago. I'm like, (laughs) oh boy, that was a year ago, huh? Yep. Uh, You got to love those anniversary posts. Yeah. So when that happened, DC went to or was in the process of going to just a digital version of their separate previews. And then... Uh, over the winter, they went away. They went uh, to no previews whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, not even digitally available online. Just good luck, everyone. Right, right. <laughs> and now, finally, they've gone to doing an actual print version of that. They figure what's good enough for Marvel and literally everyone else is good enough <laughs> for them. Right. That saving money thing. I don't think it worked out in, you know, getting sales in, if you know what I mean. Uh, Right. Because I was at the shop this weekend and a couple of us were hanging out there and uh, our retailer was complaining about what DC did with that. And he's glad they're bringing back the, 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 physical print catalogs he goes because it was a pain he's like if somebody comes in it's like oh i want to know what dc's getting well here write this down you know a dc direct backslash like that's what you have to give them and then even then it's not a great like you have to download a pdf and then if you want that P- like you it's you have to go like page by page you can't just jump to wherever you want like he's like everybody that he knew of complained about it and he's glad that they're bringing back uh 
a print uh, catalog, and so am I. I I am too. Uh, as someone who does a Patreon show looking <laughs> at previews from 30 years ago, I like to have the previews from this year as well and this month as well. Right. Um, I guess uh, one of the things, as you mentioned, talking to our local retailer, I with the last couple months of DC having such a difficult way to order or what's coming out, um, caused a lot of books to be severely underordered because they didn't know it was coming, specifically citing the Batman Fortnite book. But the Batman, the Batman Fortnite book, if I remember correctly, wasn't even in the regular solicitations anyway. Right, that was one of those. I forget what they. There's a there's a phrase for it. Like they show up in between previews. Yeah, and I know it's it's off topic. It was like I got the heads up for when the Casey Jones masks rep, prop replicas from the movies came in. There, like Matt was like, "Oh, these popped." In. I know you were looking for these. These popped in the previews, but they're a like a, a late ad. I think that's yeah. actually like the, what they're called. He goes, do you still want one? Cause they're not going to show up in, in the previews and you don't want to miss your chance to order it. If they are offered again, you know, and I, that's what they did with the Fortnite books. Batman Fortnite. Yeah. Um, so again, we'll see, hopefully it actually lasts. Hopefully like six months from now, DC and lunar just decide <laughs> like not to do it again. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't think they will. I think they're getting hurt by their their by by their cost cutting methods over at DC. Other than the fact of printing every Batman and Batman adjacent book you can think of. Mm-hmm. So uh, another uh, thing that we could have found out about if DC actually had print solicitations <laughs> was the change of one of their omnibuy to just a regular trade paperback. Right. Uh, about five months ago, they solicited a Batwing omnibus as uh, Luke Fox was going to be a new Batman, and this was going to collect his first appearances. And that uh, has been canceled, and they have now solicited in its place just a regular trade, not an omnibus, not collecting the full run, but just collecting like the last 15 issues of that run. Right. 15 issues? Yeah, 15 issues. I know it started with, like, 19. That's all I remember. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously I think what happened was someone figured out, like, the first 19 issues had nothing to do with the last 15 issues. So, like, right. why are we doing this? Right. Why are, we, why are we giving royalties to this guy? Yeah. When, like, you know, when it's not even the thing that's hooking in with the Batman, uh, that other Batman book that we're doing. So, I mean, I get it. It kind of makes sense. But if you were a fan of the overall, if you, you know, the whole Batwing book, I get it. But I don't know. This isn't the the worst thing DC's ever done with their collections. We'll see if it has an error when it comes out and then I'll let you know. No. So they're usually good with the, the trade paperbacks. It's the omnibuses that are the problem, but this is one of the rare instances where I'll err on the side of caution to DC and say, this is a smart move by them because, you know, they'll probably move more of the trade paperback because one, it's a cheaper price point, And two, it actually is just the stuff for the Tim Fox character, as opposed right. to like all the extra stuff. Right. So I'm glad that they were able to kind of stop that one before it got too far down the chain. <laughs> and they had to like pulp a whole bunch of omnibuses that they weren't going to sell. That doesn't sound like anything that would happen at DC, Joe. 
So it's two good DC stories in a row, Todd. The return of the previews, a correction, changing horses midstream regarding a collection. I'm sure this next DC story that we have here on the show is going to be just as good, if not better. Okay. (laughs) So uh, it is the announcement that the current redo... So this is so the current redo of DC is what we call Infinite Frontier, right? Right. I am so out of DC events. I didn't even realize it happened. Like I continued reading the books that I read for DC with little to no impact of what's going on with Infinite Frontier. And I right. know we talked a week or two ago about when the Tom Taylor uh Jonathan Kenton book comes out I'm like okay now I see the effects of it right but I mean I will say with Inf- Infinite Frontier 0 which they're going to do a mini coming up I think next month um the zero did kick off a lot like that was one of those books that they put out that was like okay we have this overarching thing that uh the busting out and the gassing of the Arkham Asylum and then that had like a short uh uh Suicide Squad story was written by the uh, the writer for Suicide Squad, so it kind of did spin out like the Flash books. Um, but because they didn't wideline uh, change events and 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 crisis it, if you will, um, nobody really paid attention because it wasn't like a uh, another alternate, you know, changing of the histories of the DC universe. So I enjoyed it more, but I could see why it would fly under the radar for most readers. Right. And, you know, obviously not. I, I did read that first issue of the Flash stuff. Um, I'm not reading the Suicide Squad stuff, but um, this is, I think, chapter two of their four year plan to get us to another crisis. Right. And then that's going to lead allegedly to another crisis. Well, that's their that's their civil war, Joe. That's their secret wars. Yeah, that's their you know you can't get rid of the the household name. Be crisis is forever. So how about that? Well, when was the last DC thing that had crisis in the title? Oh, Putting you on the spot. Oh my God, I don't even know to tell you the truth. Yeah. Um. Because all that, uh, uh, all that stuff with the multiverse, the dark multiverse, I'm surprised that wasn't called dark multiverse crisis on the dark multiverse or something. So technically, you know, you could split hairs in regards to what counts and what doesn't count. But the last DC event book that had crisis in the title was Heroes in Crisis from three years ago. Okay, then we're way overdue. We are, you are correct. We are way overdue. Mm-hmm. Um, by, you know, but why not, like, wait, do a whole bunch of your little mini events, you know, do Death Metal 17 and whatever else it is, mm-hmm. and then do your next Crisis, like, maybe on what would end up being the... 40th anniversary of the first crisis uh in 2026 yeah i i mean you could do it but i mean or do it this year and make it the 35th anniversary you know 
Right. Or you could just not do any anniversaries and have a crisis whenever you darn well feel like it, Joe. I don't know. I think there's a way to make the crisis is, 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 is special again. But to doing do... them all the time isn't the way. See, the problem with DC is they only have crisis. Where Marvel at least has Civil War, has Secret Wars, has some other stuff. Like Heroes Reborn is going to be a thing from now on. Um, like they have different brands of stuff. And like we, we always talked about like uh, like what was the one where the, the villains swapped heroes? Acts of Vengeance. Right. Like when is Acts of Vengeance coming back we talk about. But what is the other thing that DC has other than a crisis? What's their big line-wide crossover? The, like... It's not a like year ones are a big thing for them, but they don't really do line wide events with it. Okay, so they coulda and shoulda made zero hour a new one. Zero hour technically a crisis in and of itself, but it doesn't have crisis in the title. Right? Wasn't it called Zero Hour Crisis in Time? Maybe that was a crisis, as far as I was concerned. Okay. <laughs> But you could have then just spun Zero Hour off as its own thing. Not call mm-hmm. it Crisis in Time. Just call it Zero Hour. Do Zero Hour 2 and 3 and 4, whatever. Right. Uh, Blackest Night. Blackest Night was like the hot hand for a while where that was the big line-wide crossover. Right. They could have revisited that again. You know what I'd like to see them bring back? Legends. Do uh, that. Legends would have been a good one, Sure. Um, they could have done, they could have redid Armageddon. Oh, I loved Armageddon. So they did have a lot of ones, but they all end up being one-offs that are like here now, one big plot thing happens. And then we just move on to the next named thing. And we don't establish multiple brands for events. Right. We need the next war of the gods, Joe. (laughs) You know, I never even heard of that. Well, you can hear about it on our Patreon show, but anyway. Oh, my goodness. The the crossover so good it made George Perez hate DC. <laughs> For a short time. Let's not, you know, All right. short time. So uh, we'll see what the next crisis brings, and we'll see how really world-spanning it is when it happens, and, like, a lot of people just don't even notice. Right. So we do have one more thing to discuss. Again, a a crisis in and of itself. Ask not for whom the Rob trolls. The Rob trolls for thee. And now, the Rob Watch. And that would be the return of the Rob Watch. Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh, Todd, I, I know you're surprised by this, but we are two <laughs> weeks past the last issue of the Snake Eyes book that the Rob was doing coming out was because when we did the story here on the last Rob watch, when he had a different anchor on every page. Right, because they all wanted to work with him and he wanted to work with them. Right. Only and reason. Only the reason. New solici- the new solicitation just said coming in April. Right. And I gave them the benefit of the doubt and I said, let's say it's the last week in April. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're two weeks past that and it's still not here. Right. It's the it's the seventh week of April. It's coming up. And let me see if they even have 
any information on the IDW site as now the the final issue is now currently solicited for the end of May. Right. And that's gonna hit. That's gonna hit no problem. Okay. I don't want to say how many weeks late that is. Um, but I will I will say that it is four months between issues four and five. Okay. All that's, right. That just seems out of character for Rob. The Rob. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, go ahead. So that being said. The Rob was going to be doing the Mighty Crusaders over at Archie. Uh, you know, we mentioned this, and obviously it's not, but it is cheap uh, uh, plugs for the Patreon show Previewing the Past, where currently, 30 years ago these months, DC is attempting to relaunch and revamp these characters. Uh, and here we are now where Archie is attempting to do them with giving the keys to that kingdom to the Rob, right? Mm -hmm. um, the way that it was supposed to work, I guess, is a bunch of one-shots introducing the different characters. Uh, the first one was solicited to come out in June. Uh, no idea when the second or thirds or fourths were to come out, but it looks as though none of them are going to be coming out. Right. So let us read... The good word of the Rob. Mm -hmm. So we have to go to this weekend. And he says. Uh, when the key plot point element is revealed on a retailer variant cover. It's probably time to exit the stage on this one. Like seriously? Question mark. Update. Archie informed me that they did not grant permission for this to be posted and shared must less tagged to my page. Anyway, it would have been great, but this was kind of the backbreaker. Real dumb. It was fun while it lasted. On to the next. So what ended up happening was an artist by the name of Anthony Rodriguez is doing a variant cover for Camelot Books and Comics of issue one of The Shield by The Rob. And apparently there is a big spoiler on that cover. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll get into uh, Rodriguez's post here. Anyone that knows me well will know I don't hype or attempt to cause pandemonium. I was asked to do a job and I did it with the approval of editorial and the people at Camelot Books and Comics. They asked me to draw a cover, and I had less than a week to give them thumbnails, wait for approval, uh, turn around a finished marketable exclusive cover. I did that, and they were told that it was okay to start sharing the art so that they could possibly sell the 500 copies they were going to have made. Uh, I do see some humor in this, and it's not from the artist. It's from some people responding to his comments. I assure you all of this. I had no intentions of upsetting anyone. I have no no desire to one-up anyone. There was no intention to get an exclusive cover, some kind of recognition, other than it being an exclusive cover. Lastly, no details of this story were brought to my attention. Simple, Simply put, I have no knowledge of the happening in this one-shot. I designed the cover based on two pieces that I assume are covers and a single page of the book. I've taken all the images down. Side note, the Rob still has the page up on his Facebook page. Uh, and I'm leaving the post up because the fine people at Camelot Books deserve to sell a few books. So this is still happening. You could pre-order the cover here. Okay. 
So then the Rob goes on a longer screed, uh, where he then claims that uh, someone at IDW came to him and said, hey, could we put so-and-so characters that you're introducing in the book uh, on a variant cover? And the Rob said no. Um, and the editor's like, yep, that's what I w- thought. I just wanted to double check. Uh, variant, the variant cover game is such, and the margins so delicate that everyone wants to one-up the next guy and making their product more valuable, more hot, to have the ability to say first appearance of on their cover. The variant game is so expensive that each player of the game wants to have more skin in the derby. What the hell does that even mean? (laughs) Uh, So as to stand out. This has become the challenge of the day. A story or twist can pop up on a Saturday afternoon on some Facebook feed, and you see it uh, for the very first time as you have been tagged in it, and it has been a big twist you've been secretly hiding. Uh, had this been shared with me, as with IDW, I would have killed it on the spot. Um, so, all in all, this means that the Rob is completely pulling out of doing this passion project that he was super excited to be doing about the Mighty Crusader characters over at Archie, because some variant comic artist guy who saw two of the other covers and one piece of art constructed this, which ends up being a huge spoiler, uh, which I think does more to show that the Rob's only spoiler that he could do is essentially Cable in every book that he does. What? That doesn't sound right. (sighs) And and again, is anything ever simple in the Rob's life? You know what? Rob now, as I know, like I always joke that Rob is, you know, the Ed Wood of comics. Because, like, he he loves making them, just doesn't know how to. Because his thing is, you know, he put all this out there. And if if he hadn't said anything, nobody would have cared. Nobody would have cared. Um, And the other thing is, I think he's, instead of being Ed Wood, he's more the talentless drawer, like, of Alan Moore. Like Alan Moore, everything is a, is a personal affront to him, no matter what you do, and he's going to burn every bridge. But to me, Rob, especially with writing, is the talentless version of that, and that's what's going on. And I think there's even a bigger part, allegedly, I don't know for sure. I bet you he probably started getting some numbers back for this, because I don't care wh- who he is and what he's done with Deadpool 30 years ago. Um, I bet you he got the numbers back on this Archie book and it was coming, they were coming in flat because nobody has will or ever will care about the shield and Archie characters. And I think this is a good way of him to wipe his hands of it and go, I'm not going to be shackled with a, like a failure. And I could just go see this guy did it. Nah, 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 nah. I'm done. I really think that's what happened. So you think he saw the early sales numbers and cut bait? Yep, I honestly do. He's like, I, I, no one cares about this book. I'll go on to the next thing. I'll make a, ver- a character, either the son or the grandfather of a Marvel character, and you know, do do my thing that I that I normally do. So I think it's partially that, and yes, exactly what you said. It was something posted on Facebook. He ended up getting tagged in it. He very easily could have untagged himself in it. Um, he could have lied and said it was fan art. 
could have lied and said it has nothing to do with anything that's going on in the book. Um, he could have done a million different things to continue this, okay? Mm-hmm. And I wanted to start with the current status of that Snake Eyes five-issue miniseries. That we're currently with the final issue of it being four months late. And I would say if I, I, I don't have the, I don't have, the, you know what, I could probably pull up the original solicitation here if you give me two seconds no problem while you're doing that i'll say and i probably think i know where you're going he's never he's going to be way late getting around to these archie books so that's another reason to cut bait as you say right and i don't so i'm gonna get i'm gonna guess maybe he had a timetable that he needed to hit on that Mm -hmm. and knew he wasn't going to hit that timetable so he decided to just kind of cut bait there um, so just to give you an idea, the, the issue five of the Snake Eyes book was originally solicited to come out November 18th. Okay. November when? November 18th. Of 2020? Of 2020, yes. Okay. So it's currently the, it's, you know, as of this recording, it's seven, seven months late. Mm-hmm. And it's four months in between issues four and five. Mm-hmm. So I think the Rob may have seen the writing on the wall that there was no way he was going to be able to make the deadlines on whatever was set forth by him for Archie. And again, I'm not going to get into contract. I'm not going to, I'm speculating. It's all speculation, right? Right. Just like you're speculating. I'm thinking what happened in addition to that was he probably got some other deal that came through that he's like, well, I could do this. But this Archie thing is standing in my way. Right. How can I I get out of this Archie gig to do this other gig? Right. I think if he had done everything on time, that wouldn't have been a problem. I think it's a a little bit of everything on this, you know? Because he Um, says, and and again, I I, could have read everything because it's the Rob. And, you know, there's always so many gems to be mined from what he says. Um, but he says, I've been around the block entering 35 years of working in the comic business. I love crafting and drawing stories. I have a full plate of projects I'm currently into. I'll just double on the next. No hard feelings. Don't feel bad for me. I'm happy with all the great opportunities ahead. Emphasis on opportunities. Mm -hmm. Um, so he claims that he has a full plate of projects that he's currently into. I believe it because he's always laid on everything else. That I mean, I mean, like you said, it's all conjecture because we have no skin in the derby, Joe. It's always something with the Rob, isn't it? Yes, it is. Thank and, God. And like, you know, and you and I have spoke about this privately and publicly, but if this happens to you multiple, 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 multiple times. Mm-hmm. Is it everyone else conspiring against you in the exact same way? Right. Or is it you? Right. And then you just lash out like a child. Mm-hmm. You know? That's that's really what it comes down to. Like, he is a super, like, you know, like, like when it comes to it, like, he has his fans, but, man, it just, he, he just, he he's so immature when it comes to the business aspect of comics. And I don't know when it became a business, but he's a child about it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's yep. that's our update on the Rob. 
Um, as conventions do start popping up, of course, we will mention them. Um, you know, nothing right now. There was that Phillipsburg one um, this past weekend, and we had someone tweet at us one as well, right? Yes, I believe so. And that, that was, was last- a smaller one. And it's, so, and it's so tough to keep track of things, you know, even in a normal world. Mm-hmm. Um, about what conventions are going on because sometimes something is so small and a lot of times those smaller ones end up being some of the better ones, you know? Yeah. Um, we interact with too many people. So uh, David Markowski, uh, the good David star on Twitter, uh, tweeted us that he went to the Grand Strand Comic Con in South Carolina this past weekend. Um, taking the kids, looked like the kids had a good time, uh, looked from the pictures that he sent, it was one, maybe in a mall somewhere, and it looks like everything was very nicely social distanced. Yep, and that guy walking through the picture looks totally like, what's going on here? That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Certainly. Um, but yeah, as more and more stuff come up, um, and if you know of something coming up in your area that you're going to be heading out to, Mm -hmm. uh, you know. Send us a message. Let us know, and we'll uh, promote it on the show. You know, get some more people in your area. Maybe this is how you'll meet a, a fellow listener that lives in your neighborhood. You know. Yep, and I do love the fact that he put the hashtag "Ain't No Scranton Con" because <laughs> there ain't no Scranton Con like a you know other than the Scranton Con. I was gonna say there ain't no Scranton Con. Period. Right. Not yet. When it when it comes around again, I'll let you know so we can go sell our books and you know all the other retailers can try to figure out how we make money. Oh, who did I? T- I was telling that story to someone this past week. I told that story to somebody a week and a half ago. It, mm-hmm. You know what? I was telling it to the art collector who I, uh, he was found it amusing. Yeah, it's like the old Mitch Hedberg joke. Here, you take this home with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I brought it. My goal was to not go home with it. You're taking it. You ain't going to resell it. You know what right. I mean? Right here. You throw this away. Yeah. I can't throw comics away, but I'll, I'll, I'll sell them for nothing. No, no. Exactly. Uh, so uh, a place where they definitely don't throw comics away and they do a very good bang-up job with their comics is our local comic book store, Comics on the Green. Uh, link to their Facebook page where... Dave and the crew do most of their social meeting over there, but also because he has his Facebook store set up, and also you can reach out to them to set up a pull list, a subscription service, whether you're going to the store physically and picking them up, or whether you're going to have them mailed to you. Uh, that's a lot of where, when we do the pull post a little bit later on in the show, that's my mindset. Dave handling the books with the crew. There, if you don't have a comic book shop in your area, or a good comic book shop in your area, reach out to Dave and the gang and they will certainly set something up for you. Uh, you may even get a fancy sketch on your package from our friend Becky, who has her Instagram up. I haven't seen anything come up recently for her, and I always do try to tag whatever I see of hers uh, with Todd's Art Attack. We do have very creative listeners as well. Uh, Kevin Hellions uh, has his blog, Masked Library, where he does a little bit more offbeat comic book reviews. He does a lot of video posts of stuff that he gets of finds at thrift stores, Walmarts, Dollar Generals, and so forth. Uh, Rick Williams, The Chop Shop at freekaratechops.storenvy.com. All of his cool sci-fi, fantasy, wrestling-inspired resin sculptures that he does. 
uh, Jason Sandberg's Jupiter and Chris Runt's Battle Monsters, individual comic books, both very creative listeners of ours that are available over on Comixology. And like I said, the links to all of this is in the show notes with every one of these episodes that go up, just like the soon-to-be-named network, soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com. You've heard it before, all the shows in the network, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, At Odds with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, We Need Wrestling, all of these shows available there. Forget about a podcatcher. You don't have to worry about leaving reviews, clicking five stars, whatever it is. Just go soonbenamednetwork.com. All of those shows are there. And uh, anytime any of those folks on those shows appear on other shows, they show up there. You can't beat that. Adam and I were recently on the A Show, a fantasy wrestling booking podcast, where we had to draft and book a World Wrestling Entertainment event that took place in the year 2010. Um, I will say, go listen for yourself if you're a wrestling fan. Uh, but if you are not a wrestling fan, I will say, go vote for Adam. That's right. I used all my Socko accounts to vote for Adam. Did I uh, slyly give you the login, the the two-factor authentication for the words account? No, you didn't. Um, so if you could slide into my DMs with that. <laughs> I think I have like two phones ago that may have uh, logins still to some wrestling promotions that no longer exist, but their uh, Twitter accounts do. I, I remember because you'd say, like, one of my Sago accounts that I use for voting yep, is yep. that April Cakes by April. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, like I said, all the links to all that's in the show notes uh, for every episode. Uh, digital sales this week. Um, you know, a couple holdovers from the last week. Marvel having sales on House of M related stuff mm-hmm. and Doctor Doom related stuff. Now, I'll say this about the Doctor Doom sale. A uh, little light, little light. It's just sixteen arbitrary graphic novels. Not that I'm complaining, you know. Right. Uh, but why not put everything up that Doctor Doom has ever done? Why? Why make us choose from just these sixteen? Why not give us the entire kit and caboodle and then force us to buy everything? Right. Well, I mean, but then you'd have to get all those wonderful Spider-Man appearances that he fought, you know. Oh, you so, know. Oh, you mean Doctor Doom, Spider, one of Spider Man's greatest villains? Yes, that's right. Is one of his, you know, top league rogues, if you will. Ah, uh, well, you know, it wasn't Doctor Doom in like the first issue of Amazing Spider Man. No, he was in the fifth issue of Amazing okay. Spider Man. And then I know Doctor Doom does <laughs> pop up quite frequently in Spider Man, but I, as a Spider Man fan, I would not consider Dr. Doom a uh, uh, Spider-Man villain. He is a Fantastic Four villain first, and then a Marvel Universe villain second. That's right. But they needed to get that, you know, useless character over early on, so Stan gave him the rub by letting him borrow, you know, Dr. Doom for an issue. And that's really why the book became popular. That's very strange that you would say Dr. Doom is a useless character, but... Far be no, it from no, the, oh, the, the okay. kid, the, the web shooter guy, the kid, <laughs> web uh, so, kid. Uh, Dark Horse is having a sale on what they're considering occult and mystery stuff. Uh, included in that is uh, Cullen Bunn's Harrow, Harrow County, uh, which I'm a big fan of. 
Uh, Beast of Burden, Criminal Macabre is included in there. Uh, DC is having a sale on supervillain stuff. Dynamite is having a sale on crossover stuff. Boom is having a sale on Power Rangers stuff. And Image is having a sale on what they consider sci-fi stuff. And I will say this um, to, you know, what have you, but uh, included in the sci-fi sale is Saga. Remember Saga, Todd? I miss Saga. You can get the entire run of Saga for 60 bucks. At least I have hope of Saga coming back someday, unlike Southern Bastard, so. Uh, Well, I do know, uh, according to Jason Aaron's email newsletter, (laughs) that uh, The Goddamned is coming out next week. Oh, wow. Yes. That's, uh, that's, That's on the Rob timetable, isn't it? Well... I would say that Jason Aaron minimally has at least two other books ongoing at any given time. Um, minimally. Right. Uh, you know, and those are monthly books, I would say. So sometimes one or two may fall through the cracks. Yeah, doesn't he have a weekly book right now? Well, okay, so that's what we're, so we're going to get into. Like, Avengers is a monthly. Um the Valkyries book has a co-writer, but it's still, um, you know, Jason Aaron. I know. Sometimes those are just, you know, honorary titles as far as I'm concerned. But go ahead. <laughs> uh, he has the Sea of Stars image book with uh, Dennis Hallam. Mm-hmm. That's also a very late book. And again, of course, uh, The Goddamned. And uh, as we talk about this, I don't think we'll be seeing Southern Bastards anytime soon, sadly. Right, because of the artist, but that's all I'm going to say. All right. So, uh, like I said, those are all your sales and so forth. Uh, let's get into what we read from this past week. Todd, where would you like to begin? You know, just because we mentioned them, let's go with uh, Heroes Reborn by Jason Aaron. Yeah, all right. Heroes Reborn, number one, written by Jason Aaron, art by Ed McGinnis. Weekly, every week this issue, this book comes out. Not sure if it's six issue or five issue, whatever it is, it's weekly. Right. Um, so it's a world without the Avengers. Um, there are people of the Avengers there, but they ain't the Avengers. Tony Stark is there, Thor is there. Um, but the Avengers in this world have been replaced by the Squadron Supreme. And the only person who knows uh that a different world exists. A better world, if you will, a different world, maybe, uh, is Blade. And Mm -hmm. having Blade be our, like, narrative character, I think, was an interesting choice. A good choice, if you will. Uh, What did you think of this, Todd? Um, It was a story. Uh, And I got, like, it was... I could see how it could be fun, like... But I felt like it was, here's our roads to all the minis that we're going to do. Or like the tie-ins or whatever, and not ever really caring. I mean, it's not such a tie-in to Heroes Reborn, but uh, just like oh, it's like here's our Doctor Doom Juggernaut book, and here's our uh, you know other book. I, it just feels like this was all designed to weave out a bunch of of you know tie-ins, and in the end, I, it was just to me a lot of well, good filler, just filler, as far as I was concerned. I will wholeheartedly disagree with you. Okay. Um, Obviously, we get all of our, as you mentioned, our tie-ins for 
what are going to be our mini series and stuff like that. But uh, let's say I thought this was a beautiful looking book. I'm a sucker for Ed McGinnis's art. Um, and again, I love all the funky, cool matchups that we get in this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get your Dr. Juggernaut, you get your Venom, Red Skull, Black Skull, whatever it is. Um, you get that Thanos is still kicking around here. You get the Silver Witch. Uh, you get the Unstoppable Algog. Um, you know, I love all these little things, all these little pieces of like just little ideas that don't need a full miniseries or whatever. Maybe they only need like two or three pages to kind of tell you what's going on. Um, and who's the? Is it Nighthawk? Who's the black? Uh, the Batman analog. I believe so, Supreme. Yes. Yep. And Blade gets to confront him and kind of say, listen, hey, I know something's up, and I know you know something's up, and I'm going to do my best to kind of fix this world. Mm-hmm. And then I don't want to spoil uh, what happens here, but we get the bit at the end of, like, what was, you know, because there was no Avengers, there was one other thing that didn't happen. Right, and so now he's gonna go uh, go do that thing, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I know I've you know I was reading the Jason Aaron uh, Avengers book, and it just wasn't for me. I'm a Jason Aaron fan, but there was just something about the book that wasn't clicking for me. But the bits that I ended up seeing in uh, King in Black, I enjoyed seeing Blade in this. Made me want to see Jason Aaron write a Blade like solo book. Um, I really like this. See, now, if this book had been at DC written by Jason Aaron and the Justice League had never formed and instead the Avengers were running around and there was like a a, a bunch of mashups and amalgams of other characters, I would have been all over it. But there's something about... And even Jason Aaron's Avengers run, I tried it many times, always just left me flat. So this, whether it ties in or does, I don't know, just all around, I was left really flat by this book. But that's just a personal, you know, uh, thing. So maybe other people would enjoy it. I don't know. So the other book that we both read was uh, Invincible Red Sonia, written by... Uh, Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor with art by Moritat. Uh, almost a spiritual nod to the Jonah Hex stuff that we've been reading. Yes, and the old all-star Western days that they were working on it together. Right. So, uh, you go ahead and start with this one. Right. The book basically starts out with Red Sonia defending someone. Um, from this horde of like, you know, sword wielders and stuff like that. And maybe they're implying that uh, Red Sonia is now truly invincible and can't be killed or hurt kind of a de- well hurt, but not killed. And then we jump uh, to a few weeks earlier where she's on a ship with pirates and to help, you know, with what it would have cost for the ship. She ends up going on a pirate raid with her and they end up finding a princess, if you will. And red Sony ends up taking her as the bounty. And in the end, she ends up, uh, the princess gets away and ends up trapping red Sony and says, well, I have you. And you know, you besmirched me by touching me kind of a deal. You're going to work for me now. 
and uh, because I need you to protect me from something. And it looks like, you know, from this flashback of the story, we're going to weave into how Red Sonia ultimately became invincible. Now, this book I like totally love because, like you said, it was just a throwback to 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 like what we're reading in Jonah and and the All Star Western stuff and Conan stuff that I kind of like. The characters are all kind of the same. It's just like ah, I like my money, I like partying, I like having sex, I like killing people. Um, anybody crosses me, and they have problems, and they have a a blatant like you know hatred for authority figures. So I'm cool with that, which we'll get to in another book. But uh, just. I all around, I highly recommend it. If you like that kind of stuff with the, the Jonah Hex that we've talked about or read Sony in the past, give this book a try. Jimmy and, and uh, Amanda are good writers. And I, I personally love more Tat's art. So I really enjoyed this book. So I like this as well. Um, you know, very, like I said, straightforward. It gives you your little bit of a mystery in regards to, um, you know, is Red Sony this way? But then it also gives you your mission uh, that Red Sonia is going to be a bodyguard for that princess who's being married off into a marriage of convenience as opposed to a marriage of love, which is a typical story of something like this. Again, it's nothing new that we're seeing into this, but it's the pieces and the players and everything else that makes it new, makes it different, makes it interesting. I really like Moritat's art in this as well. However, his art looks so different here. And is it because of the digital coloring? I think it is. And I think it's because when he did all-star Western, he was doing a lot of like, I don't want to say sepia tones. I'm trying to think of what it was to make it look like an old West photograph kind of. a Yeah. And that changes a lot. But I also think he's doing uh, like a difference in here's, here's Jonah Hex grizzled, scarred, supposed to look ugly. And he's not doing cheesecake art, but he's doing a sexier, like softer, thing with his art if that makes any sense no i i i I would say that this is um full bore uh cheesecake art not that that's a bad thing i just don't see him as a cheesecake artist so i don't know of how to put it if you get what i mean like adam like his style doesn't wouldn't seem to adapt to cheesecake art but it does if you i don't know i'm explaining it wrong so i'll let you go no, but like I said, I, I really like this. Um, I really enjoyed uh, the art. And, you know, I'm going to check out anything that Jimmy and Amanda do, you know? Mm-hmm. I agree. So that's, you know, not we're in agreement on this one. You know, disagreement on Heroes Reborn, but uh, we're on the same page for the other one. So, right. yeah. Uh so that's what we read from this past week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around noon, we put up the pull post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, uh, however it is that you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed. Uh, if you're going out to pick up your books, I don't know, I'll still be wearing a mask, vaccinated or not. Um, be careful, all that sort of jazz. <laughs> Um, Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, I am currently in the lead with two correct guesses over Todd. We'll see how that goes today. Right. So looking over your list and I go for first is the book you're looking forward to most Joker number three. No. Okay. 
I think Joker number three is the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week. Um, it is not. Oh, so no movement. Uh, the book I'm most looking forward to coming out this week is Heroes Reborn number two. Oh, okay. I really like number one. I, I I can't wait to see what happens in part in the second issue. Um, Joker number three normally would be the book that I'm looking forward to most, but Fantastic Four thirty two kicks off the Marriage of Doom storyline. Ah, oh, the Marriage of Doctor Doom storyline. And in there, this was a tough week for you because be- with Joker, you have Joker. You have I'm a Tom uh, a, a Tom Taylor guy. But also, uh, Guards of the Galaxy has a lot of Doctor Doom-centric stuff going on, too. It's almost like they're gearing up to do something with them somewhere uh, other than comics. But, yeah, I'm looking forward yeah, to Yeah, they're not. They're nah. Not. Well, that sale, that, that, that piddly little sale. He's going to be in the next Spider-Man movie, I heard. Well, listen, they got to give these uh, fly-by-night, nothing-happening characters the rub by having them slide up against it proven box office success like spider-man that is true well hey they've been in about the same amount of movies i think uh doom was in he was in the roger corman fantastic four the two all three ff movies Uh uh-huh after that and then he was in the background of all the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> He's how, I think they should uh, superimpose him just like peeking out behind curtains. Just in every movie somewhere. Go back and, uh, you know, George Lucas, all the Marvel Cinematic Movies. I'll never forget that scene in Rise of the Silver Surfer where whatever they call that Doctor Doom. Right. Rides the Silver Surfer surfboard. Yeah. Oh my god, so bad. That's a classic comic moment. Oh. Uh, it, it leapt off the screen, Todd. <laughs> There's a classic moment where he steals the surfboard from the surfer, man, and they stole right uh yeah, I'm not gonna say anymore, so Yeah, I don't know about that. Mate, and Listen, if this was DC, he was on the ball with these sort of things, I would say they're definitely signing up for something big, you know? Let me ask you this. Of all the of, of all the Doctor Doom movies, how many have you seen? You've uh, seen three. the Corman. I've seen uh, uh, all four. I've seen all four. That's right. How many of the Spider-Man movies have you seen? All uh, of them? So I saw the three Tobey Maguire ones. Right. I didn't see none of the Andrew Garfield ones. Right. Uh, I saw all the Tom Holland ones. Right, and you saw the the ones where he was in other Marvel Cinematic Yeah, movies. you know, I don't count those. You know, he's the lead character. You know, his name's above the title. His name is the title. Right, so what you're saying is you've seen all the Doctor Doom movies. Because- you would say I've seen 100% of the Doctor Doom movies. Exactly, yes. and you've not seen 100% of the, the Spider-Man movies. No, that's true, I haven't. So, who's the better character? Dr. Doom. Logic. Well, who's the better fan? Not me. That so. is true. You're a terrible fan. I am a terrible fan. Uh, one thing that I have done, though, Todd, is I've read all of the issues of the Spider Clone Saga. <laughs> and I've chosen just the best for you uh, for us to read in. Todd and Joe have issues. And you're going to wear that like a badge of honor, huh? Well. Honor is such a loose term, Todd. Some Mm. say honor, others say shame. 
Right. Isn't the scarlet letter technically a badge of some sort? <laughs> this scarlet spider letter. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm forced to wear a blue hooded sweatshirt with the sleeves cut off. Well, technically, the blue hooded sweatshirt, the hood is ripped off early in his run. So it, he doesn't have See, the hood there are, Now, I will say, so there are some shots where the hood is still on there. And I know for sure there are definitely um, Scarlet Spider figures that have, like, it's not like you could put the hood up over him, but, like, right. the hood is depicted as part of the molding of the sweatshirt. I'm going to go back and find the actual issue. All right. You're going to read more. You're going to reread the issues of the Spider Clone Saga. (laughs) Yes, they were so good. I wanted to see them two times, Joe. Um, But yeah, there is a moment where one of the villains, I can't think of who was the one that was robbing the armored car. And Scarlet Spider shows up to stop him. Oh, I don't ever remember. You're the big fan. He ends up rip, cl- ripping clean off the hood in that moment. So anybody who draws it on after that is making a a, a mistake, and they need a no prize. To, to and I hope it. someone got fired over that. Oh, that would be great. I believe everybody should have gotten fired over the Spider Clone Saga. But. Well, before we're already talking about the Spider Clone, so let's get into it. I was going to start with Jonah Hex. Right. But here we are, Spider-Man Unlimited number nine, part five of five of the Mark of Cain. Right. Uh, this time, the Sinister Six, I guess seven, maybe, um, decide that, hey, Kane, this Kane guy, has, take, has been taking out other Spider-Man villains, two by our count. Yep, but let me ask you a quick question before you keep going. Do you ever remember how we're supposed to do this, or... Well, typically, it's supposed to be like uh, I tell yeah, you. Yeah, you do the Spider-Man stuff. So you do. You go ahead. I, I, I we are. Hey, listen, you, I'm you excited. Are... I'm excited to talk about this issue. So what can I, I tell know you? you are. You're jumping the gun, boy. I love it. Um, so, so you the... go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll chime in. Just as a side note, I took no notes on either book this week. Oh, okay. Because they were so it burned into your brain. Um, so the Sinister Seven, as you say, get together to get Kane before he he gets them, like Doc Ock and Grim Hunter. Um, so in the beginning of the book, they fight like idiots against each other, and then they get their uh, Liefeld guns and go looking for Kane. Um, so while that's going on, Peter in the Scarlet Scarlet Spider outfit is heading home after trading places at the prison with Ben and runs into the beetle. Um, and he's, you know, chasing him and tries to catch him, but he ends up losing him because the beetle like, you know, does, Hey, like you're going to protect these people instead of, you know, coming after me. And Peter pretty much does, but in the situation, he ends up dropping his, uh, purse that has the black Spider-Man gloves and mask in it that he was wearing during this saga. Um, and it's, he drops him in front of the reporter Ellis, I believe. I think that's who it was. Um, so while that's going on, uh, Peter gets home, uh, to MJ who he has to prove that he's Peter to because he's wearing the Scarlet Spider costume. So she's slowly losing her mind, just like the reader, I would have to say, with all this Peter clone stuff. Um, So he eventually kind of does, you know, talk her down off the ledge. Well, uh, then we cut to uh, Black Cat, who I didn't know it was Felicia Hardy until they told me. Um, I should have known with the white hair. 
but uh, she goes to see Peter in prison, but it's really Ben, and they're playing like they're trying to figure out what's wrong. She's like, "Oh, he doesn't. He doesn't looks like he doesn't recognize me." And she's like, "Well, who is this guy who apparently knows that Peter's Spider Man?" So they put, both kind of play things close to their vest. Um, while this is going on, like the the Sinister Seven are running around, Kane ends up showing up and attacking the Hobgoblin in this Spider-Man costume that he apparently, you know, grabbed one day while he was at the, uh, one of Peter's places. I don't know. They, they just say it. So, uh, Hobgoblin takes a shot at Kane while he's attacking him and Peter hears it. So he goes off to investigate the seven attack Kane and Peter's ending up going to help him because he's like, even though he doesn't like Kane, doesn't want them. He don't think he should, they should kill them. Well, that's going on, Detective Jacob, uh, what about me? What about Raven? And knockout are following leads to who killed uh, Doc Ock. Like, they believe that it wasn't Peter, and they want, knockout wants to find the murderer of Doc Ock. Well, Detective, what about me? What about Raven? Wants to believe he's trying to clear Peter's name. That goes really quick. Uh, then Dr. Trainer calls MJ to come see her about his test results. And he gives her some sort of bad news. Cause she goes out running, like crying, saying a bunch of stuff like, well, it's my baby and you don't know, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know what happened there. Um, Jonah and Robbie are talking about, uh, since Peter's in jail, they don't have anybody to take pictures. So they're like, well, let's just send this, the new kid Cole Cooper out to do it. Now, just really quick before I go on, is this a new character or a character I should know? New character. Okay, didn't know. I was like, I don't, I don't know his supporting cast too well, so if that was uh, something like that. Well, this is going on. Mysterio uses his uh, his amnesia gas or whatever it is to uh, mess with Kane and uh, Spider Man's head, and in the you know the typical Mysterio fashion, uh, because of that, they end up getting away. Um, while well, the cut to Scryer who finds uh, a bunch of freak face goo and he's going to take it home because it still might be useful. And then uh, MJ goes to talk to Black Cat, apparently, I guess, about her bad news that the doctor has given her. Um, don't think I missed anything. But so there's... here's one thing that you did miss, though. What? Uh, so this was written by Tom Lyle, who is regularly writing the adjectiveless Spider-Man book. Right. Uh, there were three pencilers on this book and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight inkers on this book. Oh, the, the Rob special. <laughs> Do you feel as though this book might have been rushed? Do and you Jake? feel as though this book might have been under the gun? Um, I was under the gun while I was reading it. Um, um, but yeah. This issue is fine. Um, it is what it is. Any iteration of the, whatchamacallit, the, uh, Sinister Six that does not have Dr. Octopus on it, um, and doesn't, and has more than six members in it is not the Sinister Six. <laughs> Don't lie to me. They're the Sinister Seven, Joe. Uh-huh. And as I'm just thumbing through this, there's some parts of the issue where it looks like Scarlet Spider has the hood, and there's some parts where he doesn't have the hood. Mm-hmm. Um, sadly, this is an era where a majority of the non-Venom Spider-Man villains are kind of not very fleshed out very well. 
I think this was during a time where we didn't know who the Hobgoblin was at this time. There was a bunch of red herrings of who it could have been and would have been, and we wouldn't get that revelation for, like, another, like, five years down the road. And then nobody cared. And then, sadly, nobody cared. Um, I, I, so this is a story that typically could have been told probably in between the panels of some other story. But we needed that four-issue miniseries to wrap up the whole Third Peter saga, freak face, goo man, whatever. <laughs> um, and then so they it's... needed to have a whole nother bunch of uh, unneeded questions to arise out of it, Joe. Right, but I think we do get some interesting bits in here, like um, Mary Jane and Black Cat Felicia Hardy developing a little bit of a friendship over what their shared experience is with Peter. Um, the whole time I'm reading this, I'm thinking to myself, where, uh, does the, this beetle that we're reading here fit into when he becomes a thunderbolt, you know? Right. Wouldn't it be like two more, three more years? Yeah. We're still a little ways away, but every time I see the beetle now, I'm like, oh, this is pre thunderbolts. Okay. We're good. Right. Right. Um, but like I said, there's a bunch of little bits, uh, here and there that could have been put somewhere else. And I feel as though the sinister six, sinister seven stuff was thrown in here just to have a big battle. Right. Um, and to have Kane kind of use his powers a little bit to show that Kane and Peter can't are, are essentially working to the same toward the same goal. Um, and of course we do get the bit with Seward trainer giving Mary Jane the bad news, but we're never told what that bad news is. Right. Um, you know, I, I wish I'd thought of this sooner. Uh, I, I wish I'd thought of this test sooner, Miss Parker. Uh, why does this thing always happen to uh, Peter and me? You need to know more about any of this, uh, any and all questions. Uh, I'm sorry, Miss Parker, that it, that it had to be told to you at all. And then she runs out, tell that to my unborn child. And again, we get no resolution of to what that is. Right. I just figured just easy to sum up. Oh, she got some bad news, you know? Like, right. But I just wanted to say it's like how they just tiptoe around it. And I don't think we get it for like another like two or three issues. What are you saying? They drag something out in the Spider-Man <laughs> saga? Unheard of, Joe. But, um, And then we also for the first time, like uh, Kane's big thing was that he has this vision, this premonition, if you will, of Mary Jane being killed. Right. Mm hmm. And then all of a sudden, for the first time in this issue, he gets that premonition of Peter being killed. Which I think was the Mysterio gas, though. Right, which was the Mysterio gas. But again, uh, it's weird that it would affect him in that way without being too spoilery. But we'll get there, you know? Right. To me, I think, because if it wasn't the Mysterio gas, then it's probably the Scryer and or Judas Traveler gas. Right. So, and it's weird that it's Scryer of all people that comes and picks up the freak face goo. <laughs> um, especially where freak face shows up again. Obviously, as I mentioned last week, he does show up again, but where he shows up again, I'll need to be reminded of how he gets from a handful of goo in Scryer's hand to where we see him again. It will be totally like obvious and not heavy handed and or like too monotonous or anything like that. 
But I will say, overall, the story, there are a couple of good ideas. I do think, and I don't know if they're going to run with it because you've read it. Like, if they could, if they had went down the fact that, like, the madness that someone would feel like MJ, like, every time a Peter walks in the room, is it a clone or is it the real, you know what I mean? Like, that was the coolest part of this book was that, even though it wasn't done superbly, like, like really done well. And I like the fact that Peter is just running around in different costumes because these are the things that he only has. Like when he's actually in the spider, the Scarlet spider costume, he's like, I don't have any other clothes. Like, this is it. I'm like, and it works pretty well. And the fact that I would have liked to seen Peter, like, I think I'm going to keep these. I don't know if he will because Scarlet spider gets respect and Peter gets, and Spider-Man gets none. So it might be nice to just run around as the Scarlet spider for a while. You know? So I don't know. These are all things that I just think like if they didn't go down these roads, they should have, or if they do go down these roads, they'll probably do it terribly. So we'll see. We still got a while to go. Okay. Um, why can't everything be nice and straightforward? Like Jonah Hex? Why can't it just be a nice Italian boy and his peg leg dad <laughs> coming over from Italy, looking for work? Being bullied and abused by the local authorities mm-hmm. and the and the and the clergy apparently, and then to be strung up in the middle of town square for reasons to send right. a message that like Italians aren't wanted. Um, and the fact that the the cops can do whatever they want. The fact that the cops can do whatever they want. So, uh, this issue, Justin uh, Gray, Jimmy Palmiotti, art art by Jordy Bernay. Uh, is entitled Starman, and I'm like, oh, are we gonna get like some sort of superhero-y thing here? And I'm like, no, I like, I still like what we got anyway. Um, we get an unseen person helping Jonah Hex while Jonah Hex is tied up to a rock, a situation that Jonah has been in at least three times in the last 27 issues. So, <laughs> you know, once every nine issues, he's tied to a rock. It's actually a tree, but okay. Oh, I'm looking at it here. It looks like. All right, it is a tree. You are correct. Mm, so get your facts straight, supposed to. What? I said I have the issue in front of me. Okay. Uh, so, you know, we as I mentioned, the uh, young boy is told to stay at the uh, hotel because New York is a dangerous place. They just came over on the boat from Italy. The father's missing a leg, so of course he's shot up and killed and strung up in the middle of town square in a very bloody and grisly uh, thing for a comic of this ilk, right? So the young boy uh, is told, like, oh, they came from that way. So as the young boy is marching down the street uh, with a look of vengeance, spots a guy coming the other way. He's, he's wearing a gun holster, grabs the gun out of the guy's holster, and just barges in and starts shooting up the place, right? hmm And we then learn that this person that the young boy stole the gun from is none other than our hero, Jonah Hex. Uh, who is in New York, of course, as he is wont to do, um, you know, delivering a bounty. And he's looking for as quickly as he can get out of New York because the stink is killing him. Um, And Jonah comes to retrieve his gun and essentially says, like, I don't know who this kid is. He's no relation of mine. Um, Obviously, you have some sort of score to settle with him. I just want my gun back. And, of course... And I think we're 27 for 27 at this point of, for whatever reason, the law folk are just like, ah, I beg to differ there, Jonah. 
we're going to have a problem here, and that never works out well. You would think Jonah the... And obviously, you know, he's in New York, and usually he's more down in the southwestern area of the United States. But you would think the reputation of Jonah Hex would be following around by now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so as Jonah is about to walk out, I guess he has a flashback to his poor childhood and how his father treated him and kind of left him for dead, gave him to the Apache, and Jonah has a, uh, a change of heart, goes back in, guns a-blazes. Uh, in a real nice one-page spread there, which, you know, that'd be a fun one to own. Uh, Shoots everyone up, but then takes the young boy to a a convent, an orphanage or whatever, and just says, he's not mine, he ain't got no family, You got he's your problem now, essentially, right? Mm -hmm. So now that brings us back to current day, the beginning of the story, uh, that the person who has Jonah tied to a tree and is assisting him uh, is that same young boy that he had assisted. Uh, and that young boy is now going across the world, killing all of the bad lawmen throughout the United States or however far he could be taken. Mm-hmm. And, of course, this is where uh, he and Jonah now cross paths because Jonah is a bounty hunter. This kid has a bounty put on his head. So now Jonah has to bring him in. And there's the bit where it's like, I don't care how much of a bounty there is on my head. Uh, you know, I could certainly make it worth your while. And I think he says there's a thousand dollars on the kid's head. Mm-hmm. And the kid gives Jonah eight hundred dollars and says, Listen, call it even. You know, here's eight hundred of the thousand. Um, you know, just kind of let me be. And Jonah's like, Oh, you're two hundred short, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but still left to the rock, left tied to the rock. Jonah, of course, gets out. Um comes upon the kid who uh, gets the drop on him by other Native American types. Right. That were set up by the uh, the local sheriff who the kid, and we'll call him Starman because that's what the story calls him. Uh, he had killed this sheriff's brother a few weeks earlier. So now this guy has the drop on Starman uh jonah comes to save him yet again another big shootout um and jonah does jonah and again as i'm looking through this here jonah does eventually bring him back into town Mm -hmm. um but of course the Starman kid gets the drop on jonah and the sheriff Locks Jonah up in the county cell while he, Starman, Starboy, whatever, takes care of this dirty sheriff. And at this point, Jonah pretty much doesn't care because he gets his extra $200, comes out of the jail cell and sees this sheriff hung up in a barn across from where he was locked up. Right. I'm giving this story the short shrift, but I actually really enjoyed this quite a bit. Right. And there's a couple of things that I just want to say that you mentioned that I would actually like to discuss because... When he's a boy and he, uh, you know, Jonah saves him, it's years later uh, when he runs into him because he's star man. He's actually, like, grown up. He's not, like, you know, 40 years old or whatever. So by that point, like, they're they're kind of saying that Jonah's with the boy is in his early era of his career. So he might not have the legend yet, if you get what I mean. 
Um, so that's okay. the way I kind of I kind of looked at that. And then like I love the fact that like Star Man kind of keeps getting the drop on Jonah. And because Jonah's so fast, I kind of look at it as like Jonah's like, eh, I kind of agree with you because I hate like bad authority figures. So I think he's he's letting him do what he does. And because he got the thousand dollars, he's kind of okay with it. Um, so I do like that. I don't believe that this kid just kept getting the drop on Jonah. I believe Jonah was just like, eh, I don't care one way or the other. I got I got my money and I kind of believe what you're doing. So we're cool with it. And I do do believe this character um may show up again. So Oh, okay. Good. Yep. And there was something I'm trying to remember too that Jonah was in New York for a transferring of funds. Um that that I don't remember because it's been a long time since I've read all 70 issues that there might be something with that money. That it was, it, it's people are like come to believe that it's a bounty, but I think he was getting money for something that may pop up later. But don't one hundred percent hold me to that one because you know how it is when it, you haven't read a, a run of a book in like ten years, right? So, but we'll see or, as we or go. twenty in some cases, right? That that'll be the fun, Joe, if you will. So next week, uh, our offerings are going to be simply the next issue of Jonah Hex, which is issue twenty eight. And Web of Spider-Man number 125. Right. Uh, with a hollow disc on the cover and a first rookie appearance of a brand new character. Oh, my goodness. A rookie appearance. I can't yes. wait. I hope they're dressed as well as Scorpia and or Grim Hunter. Uh, that'll be for you to decide. Can't I'll wait say to- better. Okay, it can't be worse. Can't be worse, for sure. Uh, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, of course, be sure to check out everything else that we have over there, whether it be our little store link, where you could buy shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them. You could head over to our Tee Public store. Not this week, next week. There's no sale this week. There's a sale next week. Right. Um, you could go to our Patreon, where as little as a dollar a month, you can get two bonus shows from Todd and I, previewing the past where we look at 30 years ago this month's previews catalog and six never-seen movies, where Todd assigns me six movies I've never seen, I assign Todd six movies he's never seen, rinse and repeat every other month. Uh, You know, this month we're going to be doing Ed Wood, which Todd has never seen. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were just hot off the heels of Better Off Dead, which I had never seen. Yes. And if you go to the $5 and up level, you get those two bonus shows two weeks before everyone else. And you also get After Dark uh, three days before everyone else. Uh, Another way that you can help us out, of course, is any and all purchases that you would make through the mom and pop organization (laughs) Amazon. Uh, You can first get there through our click through at the top of the page at longboxheroes.com. Costs you nothing extra. We have no affiliation with them other than the advertising fee for directing you to this site that you've never heard of, Amazon. And, you know, makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of that advertising fee. Yes, it does. I like that you almost call it the uh, clink through. Yes. The Colonel the clink through would be fantastic. Oh, he was hiding a, he was hiding a radio in the coffee pot. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, some of the notable purchases through the click through this past week include volumes one and two of the Disney manga Kiala Princess book, which I've never heard of. 
somebody purchased the Kindle editions of the second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth Dune books. I didn't know there was that many Dune books. Uh, I did not either. I just know about the David Lynch movie, and that's the only thing I know of. Well, if it makes you feel any better, it kept them away from Return of the Jedi. Oh, thank God. Uh, somebody also purchased two vinyl editions of Mighty Mighty Boss Tones uh, music. One while we're at it, and the other one when God was great. And somebody also purchased two DVD sets of uh, Ultraman Zero and Ultra Galaxy Mega Monster Battle. Hmm, I wonder who that was. Uh, I could piece together most of these purchases. Oh, okay. You're a good. You're you're putting on your detective comics hat. Well, it's these days. It's more of an entire Dick Tracy ensemble. Oh, oh. <laughs> the greatest detective of all time. First of all, the greatest detective of all time is Lenny Briscoe. I'm just going to leave that there. People who know know Jerry's but, oh, brother. Yes, yes. Uh, Mark and Jay's dad. No, but uh, the fact that I do believe that you have a yellow trench coat. There's no doubt in my mind that you won't. You're a trench coat owner, as far as I'm concerned. And a fedora, a yellow fedora. I wish I had, but again, uh, the props department couldn't find a hat big enough to fit my melon head. I'm going to have to look on eBay now for Dick Tracy cosplay. You know what you're getting for Christmas. If you could send me your measurements, Joe... That would be great. Whatever you think is big, go one bigger. <laughs> right. I'll take that. In the, could you sew two Dick Tracy costumes together? I'll have to squeeze into it, but all right. All right. Uh, I'm going to so, get Hey, no, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We did have art attacks this week. Um, I just lost my art attack. There we go. From uh, Bloop Bloop Bridge. He was listening to Steve Lieber, uh, Steve Lieber interview, and he mentioned his father tossing his bed when he started at art school, and it inspired this impulse purchase. Just finished a reread of uh, uh, Gotham Central, and uh, this hit hard. Uh, so this hit hard, and he needs to read Whiteout soon, which I've never read. But uh, I really like that Gotham Central page because there's not with that there's not a lot of you're never going to get like a lot of Batman or supervillain art because it was like the detective thing. But it looked so good, so I really love that piece. And I'm not sure if that whiteout piece is uh, like a print or original art, but either way, that looks like really cool, like with the the whiteout uh, stuff and the person obviously going through snow and everything. I really like that piece. Like that piece too, uh, like that Gotham Central page. And again, anytime that I see a page that's done on the official like page boards with the blue underneath, and you get like all your little notes and so forth on them. Very rarely have we seen a DC page of this era. I think we've seen a lot of Marvel pages of this era. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, still interesting to see pages like pages done on actual pages. You know, up to. That would have been like, what, 10, 15 years ago? Right. And I like the fact that uh, he just didn't care whether the page was right side up or upside down. Did you notice that? I did. I just, I find that fascinating. It's like, art is art. And it's, it's, you know, that's the way I'm going to do it. So that was pretty cool. 
And also we have from Rebecca's art, um, a twofer, if you will, as both Rebecca and Aria drew some mermaids. So we have Rebecca's uh, mermaid, which is obviously the little green one. And then Aria did the really good, amazing. No, I'm just kidding. They're both really nice. Um, I like the neon uh, mermaid better, though. I will say that. Uh, Rebecca's, of course, is a kind of mermaid, tiger, unicorn, something hybrid, which I really like. Mm hmm. And uh, I think this is the first time that we've seen anything from Arya. No, I think Arya's drawn something beforehand. Uh, it's been a while, though. It's been a while, though. But I think that's part uh, mermaid, part platypus, as far as I'm concerned. But, uh, <laughs> so here's what I'll say. Right. Um, looking at that, uh, looking at Arya's drawing, and it is small as part in comparison to Rebecca's, the left hand, okay? Mm-hmm. That left hand that Arya drew is better than any hand that I could ever hope to draw. The positioning is perfect, too. That is that is a mermaid. Can mermaids strut, Joe? In I water? think so. Okay, so that is a strutting mermaid right there. That's the way I look at it. It's just like, man, just let me move aside mere drop of water, let the ocean pass kind of a deal. <laughs> But uh, again, thank you, everyone, whether it be stuff that you did yourself, had commissioned, purchased, or otherwise. Thank you very much for sharing it with us. Right. Thank you, everyone. So now I guess we have TV talk, yes? Yes, we do. All right. So we're going to start with first The Flash, since that is the oldest. Uh, Flash airs as we record, so we're always about a week behind on these. Mm -hmm. uh, this was the People v. Killer Frost, Dawn of Justice. <laughs> uh, that's our A story The Trial of Killer Frost Which I honestly thought would have went on longer But listen, we got a story to tell Yep And then our B story is uh, Flash and the Living embodiment of the Speed Force Which is replicated as his mother uh, Are investigating because They did get some readings of The, the power force Somewhere around uh, You know, a site where people are being helped from the damages done by said power force. And we'll come back to that because I think the bulk of this episode is the killer frost stuff, which by far is the way better stuff. Yes. Uh, so killer frost is going to go on trial. They are negotiating of how they think, cause Cecile is going to be her representative in court, uh, how they think they can get her, you know, maybe 10 to 12 years, maybe get some time shaved off for good behavior. However, the prosecution uh, with uh, What's-Her-Face, who's kind of spearheading all of this, the former military person, the person right. who came from Gotham City, mm -hmm. uh, she think... is pushing for not a jail sentence, but for Killer Frost to be given the metahuman cure to rob right. her of her powers. Yep. So while separated, Caitlin contacts her mother, who is kind of the one that gave her the powers in the first place. Uh, they do some tests because their fear is because of the separation, since Frost is essentially, you know, all powers. They, she doesn't revert back that if she loses her power, what would happen to her? They do find out that there would be no adverse side effects. But again, once a precedent is set, that's the main thing. A precedent is set. And if the judge says that they are allowed to do this to essentially take a metahuman of their power, then that will begin a snowball of 
more metahumans losing their power and maybe in some unjust trials, things like that cannot be reversed. And when does that end? Right. So I thought all this stuff was great. And then we get the bit where they go to uh, um, Central City PD to do the little sting operation to neutralize all the iterations of the cure that are there. But, um, and again, I feel bad that I forget her name. No, I get you. And I don't know it either, but, uh, the cop that's after that was after killer frost or frost. I'll make sure we call her frost. Yeah. Um, was so she, she went to not star lab. She went to Argus to have them whip up a sample that wouldn't be untouched that if need be that they could whip up a thousand doses in a day. Right. Cause she, it's, it made it sound like she kind of figured, that that may happen, that something could happen to the samples. You know what I mean? Yeah. So she was ahead of the curve. And the whole fact that Killer Frost, I'm sorry, was saying, like, don't do anything. Let this play out. And then, of course, you know, in tried and true method of Flash TV show, people go off and don't tell other people what they're doing and do this and end up making it worse for Frost. Um, That was kind of the most aggravating part. But to me... Um, I was truly not shocked because I thought I thought a different outcome was going to come out the way the trial was going. I thought at one point the Caitlins were going to do, uh, you know, uh, identical sorcery, Joe, and switch spots. So she, the the one without the power would get the injection. She wouldn't lose her powers. But instead, the, the route they went was like Killer Frost was like, oh, OK, so you either want to inject me or how about i take life imprisonment because you want me never to use my powers ever again and i'll be the martyr for our cause and i'll go away forever and then that doesn't set the president precedent for the using the cure and i was like this is all as far as i'm concerned some of the smartest stuff we've done this season if that makes any sense and then when she goes to jail and like the scene of caitlin being sad and i'm like this is done really really well and way smarter than i thought it would be because it would have been much easier just to switch their spots if you know what i mean yep for sure so uh so again i really liked the frost stuff the flash and his mom the speed force stuff Mm -hmm. uh i seen this coming Maybe you did, Joe. Maybe you did. Yeah. So, um, Flash wants to help, um, what's, uh, Alexa. Right. AKA Fuerza. Power Force. Mm-hmm. Fuerza. Uh, yep. wants to help her. Uh, obviously at first she does not trust Barry and this woman showing up, but she does trust the Flash. She lets the Flash know what's been going on, that she's been having these blackouts. Um, if the Flash says that these people in Star Labs can help her, who she was distrustful of at first, then she'll go and see what they could do. So they hook her up. They give her just like a little bit of the antimatter, dark matter, whatever it is. Something with forces, I don't know. Like, this, the techno-babble of it. Yeah, just to see if they could see what's causing this, see if they could help her control it, whatever. And all while this is going on, uh, the speed force Nora is just seething. Just staring at Iris, saying, no, we need to destroy her because you said you were going to protect me, and you're not protecting me, you're helping her. Mm-hmm. 
So while this is going on and they run the test, they give uh, Alexa like the tiniest little bit. She has a big freak out. They turn it off. And the speed force essentially just like shoots a big, or no, she she shoots a big thing of lightning at Alexa, sends her flying across the room, and essentially reiterates what we just said, but kind of in a more evil and sinister sort of way, and says, well, the only way that I'm going to be able, if you're not going to protect me, Flash, then I need to take out the thing that's making you make these decisions, your lightning rod, and he goes, she goes to shoot the thing at Iris. Flash stops her with a bolt of his own electricity. Speed Force absorbs this and then shoots it at Alexa again. Right. Uh, I so say- Speed Force is evil, or at least jealous of the Flash's relationship with Iris. Right. Or, okay, my take, she, I don't think she's jealous of the relationship with Iris. She just wanted to kill the other, the, the Power Force. So she knew what it would take because she needed to to have them to have because she was going to throw a lightning bolt and then Barry was going to throw a lightning bolt back and then create some super weapon. The two of them merging that would kill the force. So she had to attack Iris to get that, if you will. So I think that was just a byproduct, though. I do like the line where she's like, you may be his lightning rod, but I'm his lightning. As much as I hate everything going on with the speed force and the forces, I really do like that line. And then she apparently kills the speed force with it or the power force with it at the end. So we'll see where that goes, but I don't think that happened. And it's just my take. I don't think the forces are evil. Um, and they weren't in the comic, but it's whoever, uh, wields them it's like saying the speed force would be evil no it's evil when thrawn uses it but it's not evil when barry uses it so i think fuers is good i think the one that's doing the psych is bad you know what i mean so in the end we're gonna have two good forces and two bad forces is the way it's gonna go and then everybody's gonna fight at the end but that's the way the way i look at it yeah i don't know i saw this coming so yeah, but I don't even think Nora's evil. I think she just is nervous and sad. She doesn't want to get killed. Which I think she's, I think she's, if she's not evil, evil, she's close to evil at this point. Right. She's evil adjacent. Yeah. So, Legends of Tomorrow. All right. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow. The, did you see what the episode title of this was? I did, and I forget, so. The episode title is Meet colon the legends yes and meat is spelled m-e-a-t yes i did see that and anytime so, you can use a good colon and meat together that's pretty good so i want to well listen enough about meeting anyone's colon right uh let's get the b story out of the way um sarah and gary land on a planet um they see a dog in the distance so that lets sarah know that maybe the planet is inhabitable so they go out to follow the dog they run upon amelia Earhart. But it's not Amelia Earhart. It's another alien. B story's done. That's it. <laughs> right. Nothing else to say about it. You got anything else to say about it? <laughs> no, I don't. Other than the fact that I knew immediately it was a f- not a fake Amelia Earhart, but it was Amelia Earhart because she's dressed just like the photo, the last photo of Amelia Earhart. So. Yeah. Uh, a story, though, was fantastic. Yes. Um, if we cut out all the B story stuff and we just trim this, maybe add a little bit more. Um, and hey, listen, we get the stuff with um, 
Barad and Zari, who gets the totem, who uses the totem. Maybe they could work out a shared deal for the totem. Is that your C story? Maybe, I guess, kind of, sort of. But the A story is it's the 50s. There's a burger joint. Uh, there's an alien that comes and destroys the town. So we're going to show up a couple days earlier. And I want to mention, Todd, no wigs. But everyone's got different hairstyles. Fantastic, yes. So if they've somehow misappropriated the wig budget into a stylist, they're going to be hearing from my lawyers. <laughs> That's why the show ain't making it past seven seasons, Joe. So very long story short, they're trying to figure out who here is the alien. Is it the kid who's dressed up as an alien outside of the Big Blast Burger place? Is it the old man who's running the burger store? Uh, is it the overzealous waitress? No, the alien is the secret sauce, which I thought was brilliant. Yep. So they go back to the guy who runs the burger place's house. Turns out the wife uh, was making some food for him one day and some goo drip from the ceiling <laughs> onto his food and he ate it and loved it. Um, so she went to go see what that was, and it was a giant alien that was inside of a cocoon. And then she was taking samplings of that to make the secret sauce. The secret sauce was then turning everyone into meat-starved lunatics, wanting more and more meat until the alien was ready to hatch from its cocoon and take everything over. Um, right, because then he was fattening up all the people for his first feast. Yes. All of this was great. Yes, it was. I just want to touch on the bear hard thing just a little bit. He's become our bear on. Um, he's, I, I was mad that J Brandon Routh left and we were, you know, uh, uh, so it would be steel and Brandon were bros, but now I'm coming around on him and I should hate him because he's a dirty hippie and I hate dirty hippies, but his whole thing with like the, just him getting more and more like shaggy, I'm okay with. Um, so that's cool. But then the whole other story was so fun. It was a, it was that could have been a legitimate in the era of the fifties uh, sci-fi movie, if you know what I mean. Like just the whole story would have worked. Um, it was possibly the grossest legend show I've seen in a long time with all the goo and people having it all over their face and eat the way they were eating hamburgers. It totally disgusted me and it only got worse. Um, I loved it all. The only thing that took me out of it for a bit was when the monster hatched and they just kept using the actual Godzilla roar over and over and over again. Yeah. I was like, Oh, but that's right. Godzilla versus King Kong is on HBO Max, which is owned by Warner Brothers, which owns CW. So they're subliminally trying to get you to go watch that movie, Joe. Uh, I was going to ask, is the Godzilla roar uh, public domain at this point? I don't know on that. I know because I was like, okay, if they're going to sample it once, you could kind of get away with it. But then when it was its roar, like every four seconds... I was like, oh, oh, but like I said, if you know, maybe Toho gave him the rights and didn't realize how much rights they gave him. So, oh, we could use this all we want for a while. 
And I'll and I'll also say, um, after last week's episode where we had a nice mix of practical and digital effects, mm-hmm. we didn't have that this week. What did we have then? We just had really bad digital effects. What? But at least we found out the birth of Big Belly Burgers, Joe. Yes, that was awesome. I marked out totally. For, like, I knew. So when we see that it was, like, the Big Blast Burger, I'm like, oh, they could have had that be Big Belly Burger, and that would have been a cool tie-in. And then it was. So it was a cool tie-in. Yay! Because right. I thought maybe they were going to go with, like, that was their um, uh, competition or something. Yeah. But then it was like, oh, boom. Blah. And I was like, that that's pretty funny. So now I want a Big Belly Burger. I think I'm going to buy one of those Mother Boxes uh, for they the Snyder. Do- they do pop-ups all the time of, like, those restaurants and stuff that don't exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, DC should, or DC, Warner, whatever, should do a Big Belly Burger pop-up in conjunction with the upcoming Blue Beetle Booster Gold miniseries. That's, and you know what? They should kick it off in Scranton, PA. Yes. Cool country. You know, they should they should kick it off in the parking lot of the CVS by my house. <laughs> I would eat in that parking lot. Dot 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 again. <laughs> but no, I, I like I said uh, again. I feel as though we're going to get a lot of the same old, same old for the next couple episodes. It's Sarah and Gary until they get off the whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I love like because it's like it's such a throwback to an old fifties sci fi movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest of the legends doing their stuff together. And while not gross grossing me out, it's a pet peeve of mine when there's a bit to be played with something with the food. They real and this is something that happens in TV shows, movies of every type, that for some reason we get lots of close-ups of everyone gross mouth eating. Yes, that's what it was. And then the like the color of the secret sauce wasn't right, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it was like flesh colored. Yeah, you're like, it, let's just say it was possibly the most unappetizing color for secret sauce. <laughs> Whatever color it was, I'm going to vote that the most unappetizing color for secret sauce. And I, I'm glad because I know you you stay far away. Um, me, I did see the, a bit of the trailer for next week's episode. And all I'm going to say is one a fan favorite character is making a comeback. I won't tell you who, but I know you're going to pop for it. All right. That's all. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even going to guess, and I'm not going to look it up. I, I want to be surprised. Right. All right. So I think that's everything. That's a full show, wouldn't you say? I think it's full and a half. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, for Todd, this is Joe saying thank you very much for listening to episode 554 of Longbox Heroes, and we will see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.